0: Welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica.
1: And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Today, we be sipping on... Well, me and Erica are convinced that this is Buddy Brew's sister, Ruby Brew. The the (laughs) font looks just like Buddy Brew. It does. It really does. And Ruby is kind of a dog's name. Think about it. You're right. You're right. But I know. I know I'm right. But we decided to order this one because it has really cute Halloweeny packaging. Erica got the Boo in a crumble. So cute! And I it don't has love like it. The cutest little ghosty in a pie on it. It reminds
0: me of. Do you remember like the Count Chocula cereal? Yes. Oh what my is? god, it does
1: kind of look like that. Yeah. And I got the homebrew because I am annoying and boring. Yeah. I just like, like regular coffee, man. Yeah, we know. You like
0: your adult coffee with no fun.
1: No, but I do put like really fun creamers in there, but they have to be dairy-free, but I also eat dairy in other worlds, so I'm just like <laughs> a big, it out fat, of it. big fat poser, um, <laughs> but they, <laughs> they do have a coffee called Monster Mint Cookie, and I want it so bad. I you know. I really want to try that one so cute and I love mint chocolate chip stuff. And I feel like if I'm going to try a flavored coffee, then I might as well try that.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll do another one this month because I found this because I literally googled spooky coffees. (laughs) The the only thing that really came up at first was um, the coffee that we did last time.
1: Yeah, Bones. They have such cool coffee. Yeah, that's the first thing that came up everywhere. Um, But Ruby Beard Ruby, Ruby, Brew. <laughs> it's hard to say. Ruby Brew is also spooky and cool and delicious. So, y'all better try it out. Yes, 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 Um, So, we have some shout outs to give. We sure do. Wait, wait. Did we tell them we hit over 6,000 downloads? Yeah, we did. Well, thanks again for that because I still just can't believe it. All right, who are we shouting out today?
0: So I wanted to give a shout out to our new Australian listeners. I know Catherine Knight brought in a lot of Australian peeps and you guys are now our
1: second biggest demographic. So thank you so much for listening. Oh my God. That is so cool. Australia.
0: Yeah. UK, UK, you guys are slacking now.
1: They're just at the pub enjoying a
0: beer. We should do some, we should do some more UK cases to all of our listeners over there. Give us some, some cases you want us to do in November.
1: Yes, we are very much so open to that. And I do want to give a shout out to somebody commented on the Catherine Knight post and said that her mom worked with Catherine Knight. That's insane. I want to hear more about that. When I saw that, I literally like almost physically hit the ground. (laughs) Like I
0: need firsthand stories about what she was like and how intimidating
1: she was. And how brutal is she? Like how rough around the edges is that woman? My God. (laughs) Gee, Louis. I also would like to give a shout out now that we shouted out all of our, our countries, our peoples. I want to give a shout out to the four, the three, the three girls I met at the Dallas airport. (laughs) So nice. Guys, I went through travel hell this weekend. I'm sure if you're (laughs) traveling that you know that the wonderful airline Southwest, which I always fly, by the way. I know me too. I love them. I love them. Bags fly free. Come on, sit anywhere. But anyway, they canceled over 1,800 flights, and I was a part of All of, of it. them were Allison's. Every single one of them was mine, and I was stuck in Dallas for... I was supposed to be traveling for less than 24 hours. I was stuck in Dallas for three days, so...
0: You didn't even go to Dallas. It was your layover. That's
1: the worst part. Yeah. Did not go to Dallas. It was a layover. So I could not get back home for three days. That was fun. Ended up having to switch airlines and airports. Anyway, besides the point, met some really nice ladies. They love true crime. I gave them stickers. Shout out to those girls. Katie in particular, she held it together with me as her flight was also canceled later. (laughs) So shout out to all of our new listeners, all of our old listeners, and everybody in between.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget to go on to Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars and leave a review. And follow us. You forgot. Well, yeah. And follow us and subscribe and send the link to the podcast to every single contact in your phone.
1: Yeah. Just like, uh, do one of those weird spam emails, but like text wise, Ooh, Ooh. Like one of those text. the text, I can't talk to whatever the chains that are like, if you don't send this to 10 Mm -hmm. more people tonight, you are going to have the worst luck for the next seven years.
0: And it's like, listen to this podcast or a ghost is going to be at the foot of your bed. Something like that. I used to get really weird ones.
1: Yeah. Well, that's just my sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> <laughs> he just hangs in the corner, watches me at night. He listens. He does. He's a caring sleep paralysis monster. No, I
0: meant he listens to the show. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> well, I hope so. I think he lives in my house.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's let's get started. Speaking of spooky sleep paralysis demons, which is actually kind of crazy because it really does relate to my case. No so that way. Was great. Yeah. I thought that this case would be a good one because well first of all, I think this is actually frightening. Um I used to think about this case all the time like it just stuck with me when I first saw it in the news because I was like I I cannot even imagine just like the randomness of it. And also, it has a word that relates to Halloween. So we're going to be talking about Austin Haruth, who is sometimes called the Florida werewolf. I don't know how common it is that he's called that, but what? you'll understand why as I tell the story.
1: Okay, I have never heard this in my life, and I live in Florida. Is this is that scary that I've never um, heard of it?
0: So you will... I think that you specifically, because you went to FSU, you will recognize once I start to talk about what happened. Okay. Hearing Going his old. name and hearing the nickname, I feel like you don't know because I don't, I feel like the nickname is not commonly used because we don't really like to publicize nicknames because a lot of the time serial killers want their nicknames to be their nicknames and we don't want to give them that credit, blah, 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 blah. But in this yeah, case, they, that's not what happened.
1: They're just attention seekers. Let's hear it. I'm stoked.
0: Austin Kelly Harouf was born on December 21st, 1996 in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida to Wade and Mina Harouf. He had a younger sister named Haley. She was a year younger than him and his parents said that he had a great upbringing. They did end up getting divorced in 2010 and they both had significant others they were pretty serious with. The girlfriend and the boyfriend ended up moving in with them even though they were a split family, they got along and they managed just fine. Austin lived mostly with his mom at this time. His dad is a dentist. His mom was a pharmacist. So the medical field is very prominent in their family. His grandfather was a doctor too. So he wanted to follow in their footsteps and pursue a medical career as well, according to his high school records where you write out your goals and stuff. He did pretty well in school, Um, like in elementary school, he did fine, but he was a bit chubbier at this time and he was bullied for it and he had a lot of acne. And so he was super insecure about his weight and just the way that he looked and kids are fucking assholes. So
1: yeah. Hey, shout out to the people who are holding on to a little weight. I feel you. Well, he's a chunky little werewolf at this point.
0: (laughs) He went to Suncoast Community High School and he worked super hard in school, the ACT, SAT, whatever one he took. He took it a bunch of times so that he could get a score up. And he said that he loved science because it never stops, even though I may not be great at it yet. I thought it was cute. That is kind of cute. Who admits they love science in high school? Not me. Not me. (laughs) So he started to play football in high school. So he started to make a lot more friends, even though he was pretty shy. Like he dealt with some social anxiety for sure, which is understandable since he was like bullied when he was in elementary school. But he started to make more friends when he played sports. So he played football and he was a wrestler. But his other passion was art. So he was taking a bunch of art classes and he got all A's. And he told his mom that he could write music and make money from it. So he was like, I mean, I'm good at this. Why not? Yeah. But he went on to study exercise science at FSU.
1: Shut up. That was my first major. I studied. Yes, I studied exercise science at FSU. And then I hated it. And then I searched my major four more times. So I did start off on the same path.
0: Well, he was an 85 and he had a three, two GPA. He had no disciplinary history. He was interested in playing football there originally, but he didn't end up playing. And his parents described him as an extremely nice, gentle person who cared a lot about other people. So we are going to jump right into the evening of August 15th, 2016. He was 19. At this point, he was a sophomore at FSU. That evening, he went to dinner with his father, his sister, and then his father's girlfriend at Duffy's and... This whole thing was caught on camera, the cameras in Duffy's, but he got into a pretty bad argument with his dad. So they got there at 745 at night and Mm -hmm. a few minutes after they were seated, he left the table and walked out. So he walks back in and then 10 minutes later, he leaves again. I guess he and his dad were arguing. I think he was mad because of slow service or something like that, but so he left. So he's gone for 30 minutes. He walks back in, he's wearing a different shirt and a hat. He sits down. He's immediately arguing with his dad. His dad's clearly angry. He's like shaking his finger at him. You can't see Austin's face because his back's to the camera, but Austin Mm -hmm. shoved him. And then the dad's girlfriend smacked Austin on the arm and like motioned for him to back away. 911 was called and just said, Hey, he's acting really weird. I don't think he's a danger to anyone, but like he's been acting weird lately. So those 30 minutes that he was gone, he walked home to his mom's house and that was when he changed his clothes or whatever. But his mom was like, you're acting so weird. And he was trying to drink vegetable oil or cooking oil and just eat Parmesan cheese. I didn't... Okay. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. So his mom just drove him back to the restaurant. And she was probably just like, I don't want to deal with this. What the hell? She said that he'd apparently been acting strange in the past few weeks. She said that he wasn't sleeping. He was obsessing over like helping people. And even his sister said that that day specifically, he walked in front of a moving car because he thought he was invincible. He thought he was immortal. And he thought he was like half human, half horse and he had superpowers And his mom said that he did have a knife on him, but she didn't believe he was a danger to anyone or himself. He had no history of mental health issues or severe drug abuse. His friends confirmed that he did smoke at one point, but he stopped smoking. Like he was clean at this point.
1: I'm in awe.
0: Yeah. So basically when Austin left the restaurant again, after he went back, he had that whole fight with his dad. So he's leaving. This is after he, his mom had already dropped him off. But so Mm -hmm. like I said, Came back to the restaurant after 30 minutes, wearing different clothes, physical altercation with his dad. He leaves again. He's like, I'm going to prove to my dad that I can get home by myself. Unfortunately, Austin did not return home. And instead, he began walking down Southeast Kokomo Lane. Okay. And despite his mother's confidence that he wouldn't be a danger to anyone, Police arrived on scene at 19010 Southeast Kokomo Lane to find 59-year-old John Stevens III being attacked by Haru. Um, This is where we are going to insert the 911 call from the neighbor.
1: Police and medical. Young know. I've been stabbed
0: in the back. I'm bleeding pretty bad. Don't be shocked because I haven't even said the shocking part.
1: That's seemed... So normal, and everything was fine and dandy. And then he's just at Duffy's and Wiles Out. Isn't that how it always starts? (laughs) Wilding out at Duffy's.
0: Duffy's. No. (laughs) Damn it. But if you are surprised now, I just wait. Police arrive at the scene to see Peru is on top of this man attacking him. He was biting the flesh off of this man's face. Sheriff William Snyder said that neither a taser nor a police dog were able to get him away from the victims and under control. I say victims because Stephen's wife, 53-year-old Michelle Michon, was dead already in the garage. She was stabbed nine times and suffered eight broken ribs. He fatally stabbed both of them in their garage. That This makes me so sad. So they had just recently turned their garage into like a hangout area. like They added couches, a TV, a stereo system, and a bar. And they like would welcome every single person in the community to come and relax after work. And they would just, like just all hang out in there. So that's what they were doing that night. That's how he walked up to their house and they were just chilling in their garage. What? So, yeah. They were described as kind, generous people, which clearly they were because they opened up this environment for anyone in the neighborhood. But... He also stabbed their neighbor, Jeff Fisher, who survived. So he was the one who called police in the call that we just listened to. When police were finally able to remove him from Stephen's body, he was screaming, "I'm eating people! Kill me!" repeatedly.
1: This man has lost his mind.
0: Oh yeah! On scene, officers immediately assumed he was on some sort of drugs. Like I know when this this case originally came out, it was rumored that he was on bath salts. So that's why you might remember it, because that's how I remember it. I just that's remember I hearing thinking. about a guy on bath salts going up to random people
1: and eating their faces. Yeah, it was in Miami. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, because so, when you said that, I thought I thought to myself, he must have been on something like bath salts are like a drug.
0: This is why I think it's yeah. so scary, because these people were just chilling in their little hangout area, and someone just came and bit their faces off. That's why I did this in October because it freaks me out. And also he thinks that he's and working.
1: it's a werewolf. Yes.
0: <laughs> so his dad said that it definitely would not have been drugs. And he was thinking maybe his son might be schizophrenic. And he said that it ran on his side of the family. Oh, which I think that Austin was pretty in the dark about this. He talks about the mental health history and his family later on. And you can tell that he doesn't really know much. Um, But initial drug tests showed no signs of methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, opioids, marijuana, or any other common drugs. He was taken to a hospital and his condition was deteriorating because while he was in the garage, he ingested something.
1: Ingested what?
0: See, the problem is while this was happening, he doesn't remember. He was thinking maybe it was alcohol or something, but it burned his esophagus. So I don't know, was I like, have no idea what it was.
1: Was it like a cleaning product, like a bleach or something?
0: Couldn't find it everywhere. I was looking for the labs from the hospital. Anything. Nothing would say. I don't so I, I don't even know if he knows to this day. But he was there for over a month. He had a breathing tube. The majority of the time he couldn't even speak. He said that he couldn't remember what happened or why he did it. He said, it's like it happened, but I wasn't aware of it at the time. I don't know. I don't know. If I knew, I would tell you. He said that he just woke up in the hospital and he didn't remember anything, but he knew he did something bad because he had his legs and arms were cuffed to the hospital bed. Mm -hmm. After he was finally released from the hospital in early October, he was officially charged with two counts of first degree murder. One count of attempted murder resisting an officer without violence and burglary of a dwelling while armed because he took a weapon he thinks it was a machete but like i said he doesn't remember so i think that's where the burglary charge came from but he was taken to martin county jail and pleaded not guilty so days before he was released from the hospital dr phil actually spoke with him and this was later aired i want to say February or March of the following year. So in 2017, this came out, but he told Dr. Phil that he has a very faint memory of stripping off his clothes, drinking something that burned his throat and grabbing a weapon in the garage. So towards the video's end, proof agreed with Dr. Phil that he would definitely lost touch with reality. He said that he had feelings of grandiosity and paranoia, which, you know, his mom and his sister said that he had been acting like he thought he was invincible and he was half human, half horse and all that bullshit. So Haru told Dr. Phil that he was beginning to talk like an extremist and he was talking about religion and he was looking into the Illuminati and other weird things. He didn't really explain any further with that, but he said that even his best friend stopped hanging out with him most likely because he was scared of him. So it's like he's very, very self-aware of his behavior leading up to the night of the attack. Right. which is interesting to me because I feel like usually when you're in like a manic state or something like that, you're unaware of it. Right. Um, maybe he was just piecing things together afterwards, but he really didn't remember what happened that night after he drank that, whatever the hell it was. He said that he felt like he had superpowers and he could read people, but he said, that he suffered from sleep paralysis when he was younger, and he heard the voices of monsters when he was in college. He told Dr. Phil that he would act on the vo- what the voices would tell him to do, because he never realized that the voices he was hearing weren't actually there.
1: I have a headache. <laughs> How was this not addressed sooner? See, like and he-
0: I asked myself that question throughout all of this, and... I think you're going to be asking that throughout this entire episode, because there are so many instances where someone should have said or done something and realized, because this was going on the whole summer.
1: That's what I'm so, saying. Like we're just going to wait until he literally has a mental breakdown at Duffy's and eats people's faces to, Oh, by the way, he also heard voices and was an extremist and did this and did that. And I don't get it. I guess like at
0: the same time, what is that saying? Like rose colored glasses or something like, it's hard to sit here and say, I feel like the parents were one super confused and worried and in denial and they did not know what was happening. And it was kind of just, they were so afraid that they didn't want to.
1: But the dad had a history of schizophrenia. Yeah. And then that, his son that starts. Is,
0: that is what I don't understand.
1: I don't know. And if then his son starts going through this and he's just like, oh, Okay. I don't know if he no. thought it was
0: like, if we avoid this, we can keep it from happening type of thing. But it's like, I don't know. I can't remember I what they were thinking during this. I I wish I could tell you. I
1: up. don't think that's how it works. You don't ignore no. the problem and it goes away. It just amplifies and then eats people's faces.
0: <laughs> so like I said, the police said that they wanted to do a more thorough toxicology report to see if it was bath salts or spice or anything related to that. That came out in November of 2016, so like a month after he was released from the hospital, and it confirmed that there was no drugs of any kind in his system. So along with this toxicology report were some other court documents, mostly of his internet searches in the week or two leading up to the murders. So I'm going to just read some of his Google searches for you guys. So he Googled, must I sleep? I think I'm going crazy. Am I? What am I? How to know if you're going crazy. Can we really control more than we think? I think it's, can we really control what we think? What is white magic? How to relax my mind. Auditory hallucinations when falling asleep. And then he followed up that one by searching schizophrenia and asking if it was okay to overthink things. He Googled Satan. He asked Google, what exactly is hell? As well as the biblical figures, Adam and Eve. Um, He also searched how to sell his soul to the devil. This is interesting to me. He searched the Thanksgiving Day Massacre, which is the case of Paul Michael Merhage, where he shot and killed four family members and injured three others in 2009 in Jupiter, which is kind of crazy, but the other similarity is that this man had a very severe history of mental illness that made his parents, they said they feared for his life, they feared for the lives of others, and they were like seeking help for him all over the United States, and it was so bad. Clearly, they probably felt the same way that his parents did, but they definitely saw it at a greater extent and saw it escalate way more, which is very unfortunate because they tried to get help but I just Uh thought it was really interesting that he Googled that. I don't know if he identified with this man just because it was the same area and they both had similar mental illnesses. I don't know, but that was one of his Google searches. Um, On the day of his crimes, he searched about centaurs. Is that how you pronounce it? I just know about them from uh, what's it called Percy Jackson. He Googled what's the weakest thing about a centaur and what's the biggest help to them. And, so now he uh, thinks he's a centaur. Yes. And at this time, this is when he was telling his sister that he had powers and he was immortal. And he, this is when he told her like he was half horse, half man.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Everybody was just like, okay, cool. So in December of 2017, his attorneys filed a motion to plead insanity, which we all saw that coming. From a mile away. Saying that at the time of the murders, he did not know what he was doing or that what he was doing was legally or morally wrong. They wanted to say that he was suffering from a full-blown psychotic break at the time of the murders. This trial is excruciatingly slow and prolonged and oh, God. People, people be getting upset and I don't blame them. In August of the following year, so still nothing had happened. This is August 2018. Tired, And that's of a whole waiting. year. Yes. Yeah, so no, that's two years since the crime happened.
1: Shut up.
0: It's almost two years, yeah, because it was like... Oh, my God. It was the beginning of August. I think it was like August 8th or 10th or something like that. But the family of Michelle Michon fired a wrongful death suit against him. They were super frustrated with how long the trial was taking and that he was basically being made out to be the victim in this situation because of his mental illness, which Mm -hmm. I can absolutely see why that was so frustrating for them something that probably wasn't so good for their case is the claims that they made in this suit um it stressed his frequent drug and alcohol abuse at college as well as his erratic behavior leading up to the murders but I don't I don't really know where they got their proof for that. They claimed that he frequently used drugs, including marijuana, cocaine, methamphetamine, acid ecstasy, hallucinogenic mushrooms, vivance, Xanax, Adderall, and participated in binge drinking alcohol until he blacked out. And according to wow. the his family would lock their doors out of fear over his behavior. So though there was no trace of any kind of drug in his system, still the suit alleged that he consumed the contents of a bottle labeled Wesson cooking oil mixed with Parmesan cheese, which was believed to contain a shroom concoction before he made his way over to the home, which I'm like, where did you get all this info? Because yes, he had his little college experience where he would drink for, he said like three times a week, which is not even a lot for a college student. Yeah. And he eventually stopped drinking because he wanted to get in shape. As oh. for drugs, he tried a couple things a few times. I don't think Coke was one. don't think acid was one. I think he tried ecstasy once, never tried shrooms. He smoked for a little bit, and he stopped smoking. And he used Vyvanse and Adderall to study, I think, like a total of 10 times in okay. his two years of being there. So. I don't know where they got their information, especially the thing about the shrooms being in the cooking oil concoction, but it's not totally accurate. That being said, I understand their frustration. I would be feeling the exact same way if one of my loved ones was murdered in such an absolutely horrific way and I was just sitting there waiting for answers and justice for two years. I totally understand why they felt that way. So at this point, the trial was originally set to begin on November 4th, 2019, which is more than three years after the crime. But in February of that year, the defense brought in psychiatrist Philip Resnick to evaluate her roof. So instead of doing a profile, we're going to talk in great detail about the psychological evaluation because this is going to give us key insight into his behaviors leading up to the day of the attacks and just everything that was going on in the little brain of his. Wow. So the first thing they get into, which I just spoke about briefly was substance use. So like I said, it was that of a typical college frat boy. He drank socially to have fun a few times a week. And he even said that sometimes he just felt pressured to drink because he was in a frat. Um, yeah. But like I said, the summer after I think his sophomore year, he stopped drinking just because he was trying to get in shape As for marijuana, his first time that he'd ever tried it was when he was 18, like right after graduating high school. And in college, he was definitely smoking less than drinking. It was like once every two weeks, so maybe a couple times a month. But the summer of the murders, he was smoking about every other day. At first, it started just for fun. He was smoking more often, but then it got to the point where he wasn't sleeping, so he was using it to help him sleep. So that's why he was smoking so much, which is a normal thing. Places where it's people legal, do it. that's what people do it. That's something that it helps with, helps with anxiety, yeah. All that. So he stopped using it though, a couple of weeks before the murders happened because he said that he began to get what he described as being weird feelings. Which I commend him for stopping when he started feeling that. That's good, at least. A few days before the murders, he actually got rid of any drugs that were in his possession whatsoever. Like he did it in front of his mom and her boyfriend to like prove that he was like, I want to be totally clean and pure. So I don't think his intense, oh, I want to stop being drugs and I want to be healthy and I want to focus on me. I think it was like, my spirit needs to be clean, glory Vallow type shit. Like I said, he tried a couple of those drugs occasionally, but it wasn't like he was a frequent drug abuser. But yeah, at that point, he completely stopped. He didn't want to deal with any of it. So family history of mental illness. He talked about how his dad suffered from depression and he said that his aunt went through a treatment for what he assumed was depression as well. And he said that he had an uncle who wasn't to his knowledge, not formally diagnosed with anything, but he was quote weird. Clearly, looking at his father's description of their family's mental illness and his description, he's kept in the dark. It doesn't look like mm-hmm. it was something that they talked about. Obviously, his dad lives in the same house as him. Maybe they talked about depression because we'll get into he kind of experienced some of the same feelings before but he just knows that his aunt went through treatment. He doesn't even know what she was diagnosed with. He doesn't know what's going on with his uncle. And his dad said, clearly people in the family have schizophrenia and Austin had no idea about this. I mean, you know, mental illness is often just something that people don't like to talk about, which is very unfortunate because that's just going to give you negative consequences. That's why people preach that you need to talk about these things. Um, I definitely think that maybe could have helped shed some insight for him. And just, I think his dad had a responsibility just knowing that ran in their family. As for his personal history of mental illness, he did talk about having some instances of social anxiety as a kid, but he said that he'd never, ever been treated for any psychiatric illnesses. He said in kindergarten is when the episodes of sleep paralysis happened. So Allison, he had a little devil chilling at the end of his, or a little demon chilling at the end of his bed too.
1: Yeah. Well, mine's in the corner, so. He said it happened
0: maybe five to six times when he was in elementary school, which honestly, I would be fucked up after that, too, because that is frightening. I think I would be frightened if it happened to me right now, but I cannot imagine that happening when you're, like, eight years old. (laughs) If any of our listeners, if you guys dealt with that when you were a kid, can you please tell us about it because I really want to know. But he did say that at one time. When this sleep paralysis was happening, it felt like he was being abducted by aliens. I guess that's one way to put it. Let us know if you guys felt that way too. Um, he said that he'd had intermittent depressive instances since middle school. So it was nothing like an actual depressive episode, which per DSM criteria needs to be at least two weeks. It was more of he would be really down for a day two days or he even said like half a day. And sometimes he would know why he said that 60% of the time it would just be random. Something that would come over him. 40% would be triggered by a specific stressor. Like I said, they could not really count that as being depressed or having a depressive disorder just because of the time. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't enough to like cause stress or impairment on his everyday life. But he also mm-hmm. stated that he had some manic instances that began in college. And it, once again, never really lasted for more than a day before the summer of 2016. He said mm-hmm. that starting in July, his highs and lows became a lot more intense and a lot more prolonged and he began to become hyper fixated in new random hobbies or passions that he would have never before considered. There was one point where he was so obsessed with rapping and becoming a rapper. He wanted to wear chains like rappers did. And he was creating all these rap songs and putting it on YouTube and just also was very hyper fixated on like fashion
1: randomly. I feel like I need to know what his rap name was.
0: Right here, we should include his bizarre 2016 rap song. Yeah. We trapping, we trapping, we trapping, we trapping, we trapping out the garage.
1: Yo, it's Frosty the Blow Man. It's Frosty. I'm Van can Yes, sir. In Mexico. Yes, sir. I watch that show. I get a lot of sluts. While getting dough. Hey, yo. I ate Ten nachos. Take those pants ten Taco Bell. I bought 10 Oreo. <laughs> I bought 10 Oreos at Texaco. A more. I like licked 10 poles yeah, in the North, 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 North Pole. I saw 10 shows <laughs> on a stripper pole. <laughs> <laughs> There's <laughs> a thin line <laughs> between love and hate. <laughs> <laughs> I love to be <laughs> myself yeah. and masturbate. I'd <laughs> die for a whore, but <laughs> she'd for <the laughs> me. <laughs> Bitch, what the fuck are you talking about?
0: but he then became super obsessed with helping people which is interesting because this is something that his parents said was one of his traits he always wanted to help people like he even wanted to go into the medical field so it's interesting to me that this trait just became exaggerated times a billion and mm-hmm. i mean times a billion he became just randomly so vocal about social justice issues he said that he wanted to be the next gandhi he said that he wanted... To, this is while all of the Black Lives Matter protests started, and he said that he wanted to be a mediator and help all of them, and he wanted to unite everyone, and he thought that he had a special charisma that he could use to do that. That's why he thought like he could be the next Gandhi, and... okay. So this summer he was working in his father's dentist office and he became so obsessed with helping the patients with their outside issues. They would tell him about like I know one patient was talking about their experience with AIDS and they would tell him stories and he just became so obsessed with wanting to help them with those things. And his dad said that he it was to the point where he was too friendly. On his last day of work, he was just like crying because he said that he felt so bad about other people's problems.
1: That's wild. So this is
0: where he starts becoming super obsessed with philosophy and researching the Illuminati. He said that while he was working at the dentist's office, he could manipulate the water and it served as a source of power for him. When it touched his hand, it was like, I don't know, Aquaman or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, he didn't
1: say that, but... That's pretty good, though.
0: We're getting, we're now getting closer to the days that led up to that evening. But in the final days leading up to the murders, he started to believe that he was Jesus. He was avoiding dark clothing because dark meant evil. And he became so afraid of the dark that he left all the lights on and refused to go sleep. He was so convinced that there was a spirit that was going to come in the dark and kill him to the point where he was afraid that... It was going to harm everyone in his house. He would sleep with his dog some nights. He tried to sleep in his sister's room and she just let him. She was like, okay, like I'm not going to turn you away. It's fine. But he literally thought that the devil was coming for the two of them. And he also did this thing the week of the murders where he collected people's business cards because he thought that the cards would protect people. But then he thought that they were evil. So he ripped them all up. He attributed thinking that he was a centaur to his astrological sign, which is a Sagittarius. So that's where that came from.
1: And gosh, began, damn it. Like, this is another killer, another killer. I can add to my stupid list of Sagittarius murderers. See, it's funny. Cause I don't know any off the top of my head that are Aries. Ted Bundy. He's an Aries. He was, no, he was a Sagittarius. Oh. Just got a running list. Adam. Werewolf, Florida, (laughs) FSU.
0: But um, at this point, he was like observing horses in great detail. And one day when he was riding his bike with his family, he heard dogs barking and he thought the dog souls were seeking his help. He was kind of going back and forth between thinking he was half man, half horse, half man, half dog. There's so many things that he did in the summer that I haven't even gotten into because the psychic vow was 40 pages. Obviously, I'm not going to sit here and read you a 40-page report. But this is then where he talks about what he remembers the morning of the murder. So he woke up and he put on a Michael Vick jersey because obviously he th- he has this special relationship with dog sees half man, half dog. He said that he originally thought Michael Vick was a bad guy because of what he did, but then he thought that he was a good guy. So that's why he's wearing his jersey, which this so he is where he I was, was, was like, shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> he thought he was a good guy, huh? Yeah. Um, I think that's where his good and bad got mixed up. And yeah. that's when all the bad decisions started happening. Is all for that, that Jersey. Come on, man.
0: But he went to the beach that morning and he was running around and jumping around on rocks because, like I said, he thought he was half animal, half man. And he said that he thought the other dog's hair at the beach were attaching to his
1: face. Like, I don't know what that means. He's going... Like, he's his becoming his a werewolf. He's becoming a werewolf. He's this transitioning. The, yeah, the
0: fur is also The full streaking. moon's coming out. You guys need to chain him up. Damn, wow. Vampire Diaries in so long. But he felt great. He ran I four would've. miles to his dad's house, dodging cars, and he was, like, on top of the world. He just felt invincible as half man, half dog. And when he got yeah. there, his dad wanted him to take his Xanax, but he refused. And his dad confiscated his keys, and so Austin jumped on the hood of the car and then jumped on the roof of his car, acting like a dog. And so his dad didn't know what to do, so he gave him the keys... No.
1: I'll tell you right now,
0: that's probably not
1: what you should do. That was the opposite of what you should do, sir.
0: But he needed to go to the jewelry store to fix his watch band. He was wearing two watches at this point, which that was questioned. Like, why? In
1: but... the words of Megan the Stallion, two watches, yeah, they call me two tamin. <laughs> that's what she says. <laughs> well, maybe she got that and from him. Maybe, because, I mean, he did want to be a rapper. Very true.
0: But like I said, he needed to go to the store. And so his dad was like, all right, you could drive. I'm just going to follow you in my car. And so Austin was like, okay, I'll take his annex when I get there. And so he didn't end up taking it, even though his dad thought he did. He spit it out and he used it to scratch into the side of the car. Don't trust. What? Yeah. So I touched on this briefly before, but at this point, this is when he went to... One of his friends' house without even warning them, he just shows up there and he just jumped on his car. And what's he doing? I think that's <laughs> when he's that like his friends were freaked out by him, but I don't see why they wouldn't be at this point. <laughs> a bunch of other weird similar instances happen that day alone, relating to him feeling like half man, half dog and half man, half horse. And so then that night is the night they went to Duffy's. And he said that he needed to leave because he'd felt the presence of the Grim Reaper. And it was also really weird because so his dad's girlfriend, Carrie, he kept saying he felt light from her, like she was good. I guess he told the psychiatrist that he didn't even remember how he got to his mom's house. He obviously didn't remember drinking the oil, um, but he recalled being natural like an animal.
1: Animals don't drink Vegetable oil? I'm confused.
0: Well, because he doesn't remember that he did that. He just remembers how he felt. But after returning to the restaurant, and again, this is when he starts arguing with his dad, um, he left and he wanted to prove to his dad he could walk home. So he's walking home and he said he followed the stars home and he saw something evil. And at this point, he was almost to his dad's house. I think he was like 75% of the way there. And then he saw a dark figure with a white face and he thought that figure was evil. It actually just turned out to be his childhood friend, Daniel saying hi, but he thought that Daniel was trying to kill him. So he ran away screaming. And this is when he saw white light coming from a garage. So remember dark is evil. Light is good. So he saw this white light. So he's like, I'm gonna follow it. So he said he recalled seeing a woman in the garage screaming at him. And he thought that she was a witch because of what she was screaming. And he remembers she was screaming. He was screaming back because she was screaming. He doesn't remember what was being said, but he remembers the back and forth. And he vaguely remembers picking up what he thought have, might've have been a machete. He began to stab and bite the woman because he believed at the time he was a dog. He remembers drinking a bottle of something that was in the garage And then he recalled seeing a man in the doorway and he remembers seeing a dog like sitting in the front seat of a car. I do not know if there was actually a dog there. He remembers stabbing that man and he didn't remember biting him. And the next thing he remembered, he was in the hospital. So it's definitely fuzzy with what he remembers. And he doesn't remember like why he did anything other than bite the woman because he was a dog like he doesn't the scene that we kind of opened up with where he was on top of the man biting his face and the cops come he didn't remember any of that
1: so wow we have
0: a diagnosis uh Dr. Resnick said bipolar 1 um and his most recent episode in the weeks leading up to the crime was a manic episode with psychotic features So some of these characteristics were the feelings of grandiosity. Like he thought he was just invincible. He had superpowers. He was walking in front of cars. He could do whatever he wanted. Um, The decreased need for sleep, which he even picked up on and was totally aware of because remember, he started smoking so that he'd be able to fall asleep. It's just interesting that in like the last week or so before the murders happened, he wasn't smoking anymore. But increased talkativeness, racing thoughts, excessive involvement in activities that had high potential for negative consequences, like becoming a rapper, (laughs) Uh, delusions, paranoia, elevated mood so severe that it caused impairment socially and at work, which we definitely saw when he was in the dentist's office, persecutory delusions, just thinking that people were going to kill him, like when he was afraid to go to sleep because he thought the devil was trying to kill him and his family auditory and visual hallucinations, which he even admitted that he'd been having those since like the beginning of college. So at this point, Dr. Resnick begins to interview all members of his family, all of his friends, just anyone who knows him to kind of get an account for what happened from their point of view, which he really Mm -hmm. did detail so much of what happened over the summer. And he remembered a lot of his behaviors. First, he interviewed his dad's live-in girlfriend and she was talking about how two weeks before the murders, he went to Tampa to visit his girlfriend. He had a girlfriend that he'd been dating, I wanna say for a couple of years since then. That she poor thought, girl. I know, she thought something was very off with him at this point. And this is when he started to become obsessed with helping people and he started rapping and putting stuff on his YouTube. And so this is just what she was seeing. And she started talking about the night of like the argument at the restaurant. And everything that happened there. So then he interviews Mina, his mother, and she touched on the rap career as well. And he was like so obsessed with becoming famous at this point. She said that when he got back from Tampa, it was like August 7th. So he became, this is when he was obsessed with being a good person. She said that he focused on it so much that he was annoying. Like, (laughs) no, maybe he needs help. He was so Um, annoying. This is something I thought was interesting because she said, she was like, he took our dog for a walk, which he'd never done before.
1: (laughs) Me. Max washed some dishes and that's when I got suspicious. (laughs) She said that he said to take good care
0: of the dog. And she was like, he's never cared about him before. This is brand new.
1: (laughs) It's because he is a dog now, sis. Yeah. So, um, a few days before
0: the murders, he was texting her saying he was like, I know this sounds cheesy, but for the first time in my life, I feel like I can make a good impact on the world. And he was like, I just, I quit every single drug. I'm so much better when I'm, I don't smoke. I'm not going to do anything. And then she talked about how he wanted her to sleep in his room that one night because he thought the devil was trying to kill the family. So she brought that up and she brought up another interesting text that he sent to her on the Friday before the murders. So he said, it's because I feel all these negative emotions around me that I also feel positive. I want to help people. I feel like I am good at helping guide people. And then later he said that he wanted to help people and that God spoke to him about it. And this is when they were like, all right, we want to watch you throw away all of the drugs that you have in your possession, even if you're not doing them, we want to watch you do this right now. The mom and her boyfriend. I'm sorry, but just like the mom's interview is so funny to me. Like shouldn't be laughing, but so on Monday the 15th, she said that she woke up around nine 15 and noticed that Austin had left and he, that he'd walked to his dad's house, which she was guess four miles away. This was the morning of, so this is when he like went to the beach and was like, popping around. Okay. So <laughs> At 9.24 a.m., he texted her and said, no matter what I say to you, I am protecting you, even when you think I am evil. And so she replied saying, what does that mean? And he just goes, fuck off. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be
1: laughing. (laughs) No, but that's kind of (laughs) good.
0: This is where... Haley. So this afternoon is, remember Haley said that he walked in front of cars or whatever. So Haley Mm -hmm. texted her mom at this point in the afternoon and said, you need to make an appointment for him to talk to someone because he was driving her in the car and she was so scared. So she talks about that night when he went back to her house after the restaurant, picked up the cooking oil and he was about to drink it. She grabbed it from his hand. And so then this is when he got the bowl of cheese. He added the cooking oil onto it and took some bites. And like, this is not olive oil that you put on a salad or some pasta and you eat it. This is literally like Wesson cooking oil. I almost just threw it Yeah. I don't know. So he put on a blue polo shirt and a Trump hat and his mom drove him back to the restaurant. So then they interview the boyfriend, the mom's boyfriend that lives with them. He said that he'd always been like goofy and a little weird, always was just joking around. But he was like, this was way more serious than that. I mean he was talking about pretty much the same things that Mina did, but he was talking about how he asked if he could like sleep with them because he was scared and he was reading all these self help books and he walked out of a Mexican restaurant and asked some random family to give him a ride. Sadly enough, he also mentioned to the live in boyfriend that he was feeling isolated. So they interview with the girlfriend next and there's definitely a lot of texts back and forth. Obviously they were long distance. Um, but she talks about how she began dating him in 2016. So it was like April of that year. So they'd only been together for four months, but at first he was shy and then he opened up to her and he was super anxious when he was around other people. She visited him three times that summer and then he visited her in Tampa three times that summer. And this is when he started making those rap songs for YouTube. And she thought it was super weird. And she didn't like that. He was smoking every night at this point to help him sleep. She wouldn't let him bring the weed to her place when he came and visited her. But he was like, I really need to sleep. One of the nights while he was there, he had an episode of sleep paralysis And he was calling her name and he like wasn't moving and she was trying to get him a snap out of it and he wouldn't move or anything, obviously. And he mentioned that a demon whispered something to him in a visit to her home when he was there in May. Sage the house girl, sage it. Um, just like the live in boyfriend said, she said he, his demeanor changed from like joking to being so serious. And she even brought up, he talked about walking his dog, which was different because In prior visits, he seemed to have no interest in his dog. I don't know, but it's so interesting to me that, like, everybody picked up on it. The Sunday before the murders, they were video chatting, and he was talking about how he went to a gun show, and he purchased a ring for her, and he was, like, being dead serious. And she just goes, what happened to the joking kid you used to be? She's like, dude, you've known him for, like, three months, so I don't know... She was, she said that she was concerned that she might've done something to make his demeanor change from joking to being so serious. She was like, did I do something that caused you to be so cold to me? He goes, I was born in December. Same. She was like, she was like, yeah, like I know that. That's not what I'm talking about.
1: Um, I am dating you. I do know your birthday. And then he called her a bitch. I'm going to use that though. When somebody's like, Hey, why are you being like that? I'm just going to be like, I was born in December. I am half horse, half woman.
0: And then they talk about his medical records. So basically what happened when he went to the hospital that day, he was brought in and he was howling. He was making wolf dog noises. He was not able to provide them with any information whatsoever. So they sedated him and he sustained lacerations to both hands and nearly severed off his right thumb. I'm going to assume that happened when he took what he thinks was the machete from the garage. I just want to like remind you, this report was not done until 2019. So all of these things that are being pieced together, it took three years for them to be pieced together. And you can tell that he's not lying because with all these interviews with other people, they're all confirming everything that he said. Yeah. It's just insane to me, but He was admitted to St. Mary's Medical Center and he was there for one month exactly. At first was labeled as a probable drug-induced psychosis. And then obviously they did that toxicology report and nada. But he had a serious clot in his arm. He had profound metabolic derangements and inflammation of his esophagus and stomach. He couldn't breathe, so that's they had to do the breathing tube, place on oxygen. He had pneumonia at one point. His liver and his kidneys were failing. He couldn't swallow, so he had to have a feeding tube. His colon was infected. He had blood clots in his brain. Oh my god! So much was happening, and nobody knew why because he was the one that was biting these people's faces off. Right. But when he was finally released, he was sent to the hospital's rehabilitation center and he was there for two and a half weeks, so the 15th of September to October 3rd, and then right from there is when he was arrested. In conclusion, he writes It is, in my opinion, with reasonable medical certainty, that Mr. Harouf had a severe mental disease, namely bipolar one with an acute manic episode with psychotic features on August 15th, when he engaged in the conduct resulting in his current criminal charges. So he's writing out, this is the evidence as to why they should be able to plead insanity. He was insane at the time of his crimes. He didn't know what he was doing and he didn't know that what he was doing was legally wrong. So then in this second point, he states that he had clinical lycanthropy delusions, which Lycanthropy is like werewolf. So this is a legitimate thing. This is a legitimate disorder. So I I had no idea. It is defined as a rare psychiatric syndrome that involves a delusion that the affected person can transform into, has transformed into, or is an animal. Its name is associated with the mythical condition of lycanthropy, a supernatural affliction in which humans are said to physically shapeshift into wolves there's been studies on this. It's been shown to be a symptom almost of other it's brought on by other mental illnesses. So they've noticed it in people with schizophrenia, people with bipolar disorder, people just with depression, with OCD. And really they found that any psychiatric condition that affects the parietal lobes, which are like responsible for integrating any sensory information um, from several areas of the body, but that's where they're thinking it has to do with. And um, overactive parietal lobes are associated with delusions in schizophrenia. So that kind of makes sense. They also found that it can happen. Um, there's been cases where it just happens after someone takes ecstasy. Hmm. I don't fuck with drugs, but I was reading one article that they made in 2014. And I think like since 1800s, there had been like 50, reported cases of this that had been studied so obviously it's not common at all but it exists so let's go back to this trial that we haven't had yet so this whole evaluation was in 2019
1: I forgot we didn't even have the
0: trial no we did not in March of 2020 the prosecution so like the state then appointed another psychiatrist to evaluate him as well just because they have to be like okay well your team evaluated him that's great but like you want him to say that. So we're going to do it now. And they actually filed an appeal to stop this, which is surprising. I don't know if maybe they thought that he was going to say that he wasn't insane at the time, but he said, Hmm. no, you were definitely insane. Um, So this delayed the trial even more. So it was going to start on May 18th, 2020 but it's it's they're still figuring things out right now um, last month the state ended up hiring another professional to examine him yes last month like this September and wow this was really sketchy because he said that Austin was not legally insane at the time of the murders but the defense was like uh, not so fast because the psychologist who, Said this, did not write a single report. He didn't write an evaluation. He didn't write anything down. And like, you, you needed that in court. And he didn't what? administer any psychological tests or anything. Going through the inventories for bipolar or schizophrenia or depression, like any of those tests or anything with the DSM, he didn't do anything. So oh. they were like, we don't know what the hell he thought he did, but it not, you can't go based off that. So, the next hearing is set for October 13th, which is the day that this episode comes out, but they're hoping that the trial is going to officially start in spring of next year, which I will remind you once again that the families of these people have been waiting since August of 2016.
1: That's so sad, honestly. So sad. Like, I know there were a lot of parts that?
0: that we were, like, laughing because it's just, like, unbelievable, but obviously but
1: this really happened yeah this happened it's
0: horrible and it's terrifying and that's why we're talking about it
1: i just cannot believe this my my mouth has been catching flies wide open the whole time we've been speaking yeah well i was nervous that this was gonna scare me to not go to sleep but it's just scary to me that you
0: can be chilling there and someone can come and go where well yeah bite your face off
1: yeah but thanks for listening what a great start to my day. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoy
0: yeah. I did the less scary one this time. My next piece for this month is a long, long awaited one. A very long awaited. I'm stoked. Yeah. It's definitely going to be more than one part. Just throwing that out there for you guys.
1: That's all right. I'd also like to thank you for doing the cannibalism instead of me this time. Yeah, I got you.
0: Surprised that one wasn't hey. on your radar it
1: was your turn, not mine. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with another spooky October case for you. Don't forget to continue to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on whatever you want to follow us on. Listen to us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review. Dang it
0: yes and share 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 post it on your stories on wherever the hell you post things I don't care we really appreciate
1: it yeah we are loving it we're living it and hopefully we'll be at seven thousand downloads soon